This is Bible Talk with Steve, where we discuss the Bible, theology, and answer your questions. Now here's our host, Steve Turin. Happy New Year. Welcome to another Bible Talk with Steve. This week's episode is the continuation and the finale of the series, Who is Jesus? The Return of the King, the Importance of the Resurrection. Uh, I'd like to start every episode with a prayer, so let's go ahead. Thank you, Father God, for this opportunity to come and to study your word, Lord. Father God, I pray that you speak through me, Lord, that your name would be glorified, Lord, that no one would look at me, but that they would look at your glory and your word, Father God. I pray that your name would be glorified always and in everything. I thank you because you died on that cross for us. You rose again and you're returning for us, Lord. I pray for the listeners, Lord, that they would be blessed by this word, that they would learn something new about you, Lord. In the mighty name of Jesus, I pray. Amen and amen. Our first text is going to be 1 Corinthians 15.21. If we have been united with him in a death like his, we will certainly also be united with him in a resurrection like his. For we know that our old self was crucified with him, so that the body ruled by sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin. By the death of Jesus, our sins were forgiven. We were granted access to the kingdom of God through the covenant paid for with the holy, precious blood of Jesus Christ. But three days after he died, he rose from the dead, and by doing this, he guaranteed us eternal life. Not just eternal life as a spirit, as a ghost, as an angel, but in a body that is perfect and incorruptible by sin and death and disease. A body like the one that Jesus himself has since he resurrected. Colossians 1.18 tells us, And he is the head of the body, of the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. The word preeminent means the first. It means the first to attack, like in a military term, or uh, preeminent meaning it goes before everything else. Also, 1 Corinthians 15 tells us, when the perishable puts on imperishable, and the mortal puts on immortality, then shall come to pass what is written, death is swallowed up in victory. In Revelations 1, Jesus says he is the first and the last, the one who died and is alive forevermore. Jesus is the firstborn from the dead, not because he was the first person to ever come back to life, because in the Old Testament there was a Hebrew captain, there was a young boy that Elijah rose from the dead. In the New Testament, you have Lazarus, Jairus' daughter, uh, the boy at Nain. There's several people, all brought to life by a miracle. But Jesus was the first to rise with a new, transformed, incorruptible, eternal body that will never die again. He is the firstborn from the grave. He can never die again because he died once and is now perfect and incorruptible. 
because of the sacrifice he made, not only does he have this perfect, incorruptible, never dying eternal body, but we will too because of his sacrifice that he made on that cross. He is the first son of God. He is the first to rise from the dead. He existed always. He is first to receive glory and honor and praise. No one comes before him. That is what it means that he is preeminent. Romans 6, 5, and 6 tells us that we will be like him in his death. That death is only a temporary thing. The English word for cemetery means a place to sleep in Latin. The word dormitory, like a college dorm, comes from the same exact Latin phrase. A dorm room is where students go so that they could sleep, rest, get up in the morning, and go back to school. It's a temporary house. It's not meant to live in forever. So it is with the grave. Jesus died on the cross so that we will not be dead forever that we will rise from the dead like he did. 1 Thessalonians 4, 16-18 For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a cry of command, with the voice of the archangel, and with the sound of the trumpet of God. And the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will be with the Lord forever. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. So when will this happen? This will happen when Christ returns. Make no mistake, Jesus is coming back. That's a guaranteed. There are religions and denominations that teach that Jesus is not going to physically return back to the earth. If somebody believes that, they deny the exact words of Jesus that said he is coming back. And they have a false version of Jesus and a false version of God and those people are not saved. If you deny the word of God, it means that you don't trust God. And if you don't trust God, how can you be saved? Acts 1, 9-11 And after he had said these things, he was lifted up while they were looking on, and a cloud received him out of their sight. And as they were gazing intently into the sky while he was going, behold, two men in white clothing stood beside them. They also said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into the sky? This Jesus, who has been taken up from you into heaven, will come in just the same way as you watched him go into heaven. The disciples were walking with Jesus after he was crucified, after he rose from the dead, and he started to go and fly up into heaven and disappeared from them. And then two angels told them, Why are you amazed? Why are you wondering? Don't worry. The same way he left is the same way he's going to come back. Jesus told us in John 14, 3, If I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself that where I am, there you may also be. Jesus said many times that he's going to come back. But why is he going to come back? I mean, he already accomplished his mission. 
So what's the purpose of him returning? Hebrews 9.28 tells us, So Christ, having been offered once to bear the sins of many, will appear a second time, not to deal with sin, but to save those who are eagerly awaiting him. So when will this happen, and what is he going to save us from? Wasn't we already saved from our sins? Well, the answer is that he's going to save us from the judgment of the entire world. The event known as the rapture is a topic that's highly debated since years, and there is no way that we're going to solve it here on this program tonight. But in a nutshell, here's three different views. One is called the pre-tribulation rapture. Uh, the rapture will happen before what theologians call the tribulation, which is a period of seven years of some of the greatest trouble the world has ever gone through. Uh, they believe that Christians will be raptured before this all takes place, before the Antichrist, before the Four Horsemen, before all of this. Then there is something called pre-wrath or mid-tribulation rapture. People that believe that says the church will witness the first three and a half years of the tribulation, but then before the great tribulation, when God pours his wrath out upon the world, that's when the rapture will happen. And the third is what they call a post-tribulation rapture. That says that the church will go through the entire tribulation, but that supernaturally God will protect them the way he protected the Hebrews in the land of Egypt until Christ returns in the sky and then he'll take us with him and we will come back and reign with him for a thousand years. There's also people that don't even believe in a rapture. All of these are valid points and there's multiple ways to interpret the scriptures that lead people to believe in a rapture that happens at various times and some people don't even believe in a rapture. That is something that could be debated, it's something that could be talked about, it's not something that is salvational, it's just the timing which even Jesus told us, no one knows the day or the hour. What's not up for debate is the fact that Jesus will return during something called the day of the Lord. The day of the Lord begins with the deliverance of God's people and continues with the destruction of the entire earth. 1 Thessalonians 5, 1 through 3. Now, as to the times and the epochs, brethren, you have no need of anything to be written to you. For you yourselves know full well that the day of the Lord will come just like a thief in the night. While they are saying peace and safety, then destruction will come upon them suddenly, like labor pains upon a woman with child, and they will not escape. So Paul is telling us, just like Jesus did in Matthew 24, which you could read for yourself, that the day of the Lord will come when everyone is saying peace and safety. That doesn't mean that the world will be in complete peace 
and happiness and everybody's going to be singing Kumbaya and then the end of the world will come. What it means is people will be going about their daily business, living their lives like nothing is going on. And then all of a sudden, boom, no one knows what happened and the anger of God is poured out on the world. For the unsaved, this will be a terrible time. Uh, there's many scriptures that talk about the day of the Lord, but we're going to read just a couple of them. Zephaniah 1.14-18 says, Near is the great day of the Lord, near and coming very quickly. Listen, the day of the Lord, in it the warrior cries out bitterly. A day of wrath is that day, a day of trouble and distress, a day of destruction and desolation, a day of darkness and gloom, a day of clouds and thick darkness, a day of trumpet and battle cry against the fortified cities and the high corner towers. I will bring distress on men, so they will walk like the blind, because they have sinned against the Lord, and their blood will be poured out like dust, and their flesh like dung. Neither their silver nor their gold will be able to deliver them. On the day of the Lord's wrath, and all the earth will be devoured in the fire of his jealousy. For he will make a complete end, indeed a terrifying one, of all the inhabitants of the earth. The Old and New Testament warns false believers and those who create their own version of God of what will happen. Uh, another uh, scripture is Amos 5, 18 through 20. Alas, who, you, who are longing for the day of the Lord, for what purpose will the day of the Lord be to you? It will be darkness and not light, as when a man flees from a lion and a bear meets him, or goes home, leans his hand against the wall and a snake bites him. Will not the day of the Lord be darkness instead of light, even gloom with no brightness in it? Jesus himself said these words, Matthew 7, 22-23. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name, and in your name cast out demons, and in your name perform many miracles? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you, depart from me. You who practice lawlessness. Most theologians and professors believe that the day of the Lord is not a single day. Some say it will begin at the rapture. Some say it will begin when the Antichrist rises to power. But whatever the case, it begins with deliverance for God's people and then judgment for the unbeliever and for the make-believer. It ends with Christ coming down from the sky to rule the earth with us who believed and are transformed. What about the people who died? Did they miss the rapture? What if I die before the rapture? Well, you can't build an entire doctrine on one verse. There needs to be at least two verses for you to back it up. There's two places in scripture that show that believers who passed away will take part in the rapture. One is 1 Corinthians 15, 52. It says, In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, 
at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound, and the dead will be raised imperishable, and we shall be changed. And then 1 Thessalonians 4, 13-18 But we do not want you to be uninformed, brothers, about those who are asleep, that you may not grieve as others who have no hope. For since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so, true Jesus, God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep. For this we declare to you by a word from the Lord, that we who are alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, will not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a cry of command, with the voice of an archangel and with the sound of the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive, who are left, will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will always be with the Lord. The way we will be changed is the way that the bodies of dead believers will be changed and returned back to life. Everyone from James the first martyr to the last person who dies before the rapture who believes in Christ will be resurrected, transformed, and taken up to meet the Lord in the air. And then us who are alive will also meet them in the air. This is a great encouragement. Not just for New Year's, but for every day. Jesus is returning, and he's coming to save us and to judge the world. Jesus is the firstborn from the dead who rose to give us hope for the future, and he is the only one worthy of worship and praise. This episode concludes the series, Who is Jesus? In the last month, we've learned who is Jesus, I hope you've got a good understanding and there's so much more to learn about Jesus. I urge you to read through the scriptures and to study for yourself. And once you know who Jesus is, even just a little bit, you can't help but notice that the entire Bible is about him. You will see him in the Old Testament. You will see him in the New Testament. You will see him throughout all of scripture because all of scripture either points to him, talks about him, or tells us he's coming back. God bless you, and a happy new year. Thank you and God bless you for listening to today's episode. If you would like to submit a question please leave a comment below or send a direct message to Bible Talk with Steve on Instagram. Until next week, stay studied.